Did you know you can get all of our podcasts on our free podcast app? Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to download the app now. For the world's most ecstatic love and sex podcasts, bonus videos, and exclusive articles, head to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the free app now. Hi everyone, um, welcome to another edition of the Raw Attraction Podcast. I'm here today with David Bruce Leonard, who I met on a Tantra and Sexuality conference in Poland a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was watching him speak and very drawn to what he does. He works for a company that he founded called the Earth Medicine Institute and works also with Sacred Sexuality. And he's written a book called How to Worship the Goddess and Keep Your Balls. So how, hi to you, David. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Or good evening, where you good are. Good morning to you in Hawaii, and good evening to me in Central Europe. Right. Yeah, it's great to have you here, and I was very drawn to um, your subjects around what you were talking about was how men and women communicate uh, on a very visceral level when it comes down to the body and the mind. And I'd like to talk about some of those things to, with you today. So Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps you can give a slight overview of where, where you've come on your journey um, with sexuality and what you do in the world right now before we start. Yeah, thank you. I'm, well, I'm, I'm a practitioner of um, traditional Chinese medicine, which and I teach... I practice and teach Chinese medicine, which involves acupuncture, herbs, massage, diet, and um, qigong, martial arts. Um, but sexuality is a is a very important piece of traditional Taoist practices, of which I'm a follower. And um, I've always, even when I was a teenager, I'm 58 now, but even when I was a teenager, I was actually um, would read books on tantra and things way back in the Qing dynasty. So I was always very interested in sacred sexuality. Um, and through my own my own curiosity about sexuality and through the studying of traditional medicines, um, I've just really seen how different cultures um, have created very similar traditional cultures and traditional medicines have created very similar um, paradigms around how to navigate our nervous system and how to navigate our sexuality. So it's, it's sort of an ongoing um, interest of mine, and I, I think it's really important um, when dealing with health issues to include sexuality. I don't think that it's it's something we can avoid um, navigating in our lives. Yeah, it certainly is, and it's one of those things that we're not really educated on in the mainstream and we have to really go looking outside of the normal paradigms of where we get our information from to search out what is possible in our sexuality and it's great that people like yourself are still writing uh, the books that you write and speaking about the things you do because it's very important for humanity to keep these teachings and alive. Yeah, it's interesting too because I mean the, the very same force that um, when you cut yourself or you scrape yourself, it heals your body, is the same force that runs our libido or our sex drive. It's identical. There's no difference. It's the same energetic. So to, to if we want to be happy and healthy and balanced human beings, um, we have to embrace that force, that energy in us in all, in all the ways that it manifests. Totally agree. So from what you were speaking to him. Poland about communication and 
how it links to Taoism and all these things. Could you give a brief overview for people who weren't there, which is thousands of us, uh, what you were talking about, especially when it comes to how males and females typically communicate in a relationship? One of the things that um, one of the things that I've um, I've learned in, in studying Taoist paradigms is they, the Taoists have a belief or a thought or perhaps a hallucination, I don't know, but it's a perception that um, men and women navigate their body and their sexuality somewhat differently. In a lot of ways, we're very, very similar. In a lot of ways, we're actually quite different. And uh, from a Taoist perspective, the a woman is most vulnerable between her knees and her navel, so her pelvis. This is the most vulnerable place for a woman. That's where her her, her yoni is. That's where her um, vulnerability lies, and that is also where her power lies. In, in Chinese medicine, the pelvis is ruled by the kidneys, and that has to do with um, with power, but also security, emotional security and stability in the world. Um, as a man, our, as men, our vulnerability in general, there's obviously a lot of exceptions to this, but in general, as a gender, our vulnerability as men is between our um, neck and our navel. So our yoni, so to speak, our vulnerable places in our chest. And in Chinese medicine, that is um, both esteem, like um, our self-identity, our, our self-esteem, but also grief. The lungs rule grief. So um, as a man, I emit, we emit from our pelvis. Our, our energy goes outward from our pelvis and comes into our chest. As a woman, her energy goes out from her chest and comes into her pelvis. So in some ways, we line up. When my energy as a man goes out, it wants to go straight for a woman's um, pelvis, her yoni. When a woman's energy goes out, it wants to go straight for my chest or my heart. So when, we, when we're navigating a, 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 gender, a sexual relationship with another gender, we, um, as men, the first place we want to go is to her pelvis. And the first place she wants to go is to our chest. So... And we see this all the time. You know, we, our men and women navigate their sexuality and their sex drive differently. So uh, they, what are they, there's an old saying, men, men try to get um, sex through love and women try to get love through sex or vice versa. Anyway, men use sex as a way to access, um, women use sex as a way to access love through men and men use love as a way to access sex through women. So um, if I'm a man and the first place my intuition takes me, wants to take me, is to a woman's pelvis, what I've got to do is I've got to go through her heart first and then down. If a woman wants to get to my heart, which is where she first wants to go, she has to access through my pelvis first and then up. So there's a match. There's a sort of an alignment in all that. Um, so as a, if I want to be an intelligent man or a man that's a bit savvy, I don't go straight for her pelvis because that's going to shut her down. You know, women often talk about men who are grabby. Um, my instinct as a man is to go straight there. 
and her instinct as a woman is to go straight to my heart or to my chest. If I um, aggress at a woman's pelvis, if I really am very aggressive towards her pelvis, she will shut down. And you'll see a lot of women are traumatized in their pelvis. It's very, very common, even if they haven't been assaulted. There's a lot of even just psychological, physiological trauma from living in our, in our, on the planet with men. A lot of men are traumatized in their heart, in their chest. We, as men, we tend to, it's, it's, our tendency is to not to be able to access our, our yoni or our chest because it's traumatized. So if I want to navigate to a woman's pelvis in a relationship, I have to be very gentle with her pelvis and, and with her, um, her stability and security. If a woman wants to navigate to my chest, she has to be very gentle not to do things that, that bruise my, my esteem or my, my self-image. So they say that, um, what do they say? Women, women need to be desired. Men need to be admired. And that's a, that's, that's the difference between the genders. I'm just wondering from uh, my point of view and I wonder if you agree is, this awareness is very good, and I think as a man, you're, I'm fully aware uh, growing up as a man that you can feel there's this huge amount of energy around the pelvis area and the groin just wanting to be, uh, you know, like you say, go, go towards a woman's pelvis. And that energy is very strong, and I think this awareness... Uh, is crucial, but I don't believe, and I, I don't know if you believe, if this is set in stone. And I think, for me, a crucial healing in the world is to be aware of what's happening and then form more balance in, in your body. And for men to be more attached to uh, their hearts and opening their hearts rather than emitting all of their energy from their pelvis. Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely. That's where our healing is. Women's healing is in their pelvis and men's healing, our healing is in our chest, which doesn't, you know, it doesn't change our gender, but um, absolutely, that's where our work is as men, you know, is we need to crack open our chest and feel what we're feeling. Because many men, I mean, I've done hundreds of men's groups, hundreds, and I've, I've, I've sat in and seen so many men do their work and, and, um, without fail every single time the the number one thing that i see in men who are doing their work is they don't feel good enough that our esteem you know it's just it's just there under the surface yeah i remember you saying in poland that inside every man there's there's this little boy who just doesn't does not think he's good enough yeah and that's been my experience except for sociopaths you know but they don't usually come to men's circles so <laughs> So yeah, there's there's this this need to heal, and that I think you're absolutely right. That's where our healing is. If we're going to be more balanced, you know, if I'm going to become fluent in the language of the feminine, not only in the world but also in myself, I have a, I have a language of the feminine in me that I need to embrace. I can only do it in a masculine way, but that doesn't mean that I don't need to do it. It's really crucial for me to find balance to embrace that that little boy and that inner feminine without you know without getting too schmaltzy 
Yeah, and I think it's critical for everyone, absolutely critical for everyone to listening that we know this this is the biggest healing in the world at the moment on an individual level. The realization that this masculine unconscious pelvic power is, is causing the wars and the rape and the destruction on this planet and with this awareness that we can uh, switch to our hearts is is critical. I totally agree, but it has to happen in a way, it can't happen the way women wished it would happen. You know, it has to happen. I cannot embrace my feminine side in, in any way besides through my masculinity. Otherwise, what my, my, my experience with men is when they embrace their feminine side without really embracing their masculine side simultaneously, it goes into shadow. They're, 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 they become passive aggressive. One of the things that I think is so powerful about um, the work I'm seeing men doing now as opposed to 20 years ago is they're not trying to become like women. And they're not trying to be the way women wished they were. They're becoming the way they are. And from that foundation, from that that core masculinity, they're really embracing their feelings. And they're feeling them the way a man feels them. How does that look on a well um, when you meet like in other words like in the in the 70s and the 80s when um when a lot of young males were raised by feminists women are are rightfully afraid of men men can be very scary and um a lot of feminists raised their sons to reject their own masculinity their own fire in the pelvis the fire in the belly you know, a lot of women that I know wish men were not, did not have that kind of sexual aggression, wish we didn't have it. And, but it's there and it's built into us and we can't ignore it. We, all we can do is navigate it in a healthy way, which doesn't mean I have to act on it, right? I'm a man and I have to, I mean, my sacred work is to hold space and hold a container for, for a woman's femininity or for a woman's totality. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to fuck all these women that I see. I do. That's part of my masculinity. So from my perspective, the I have to acknowledge that before I can even begin to embrace my feminine side. Because if I pretend that I don't want to have sex with all these women, I, I, I become passive aggressive. I, I will deny parts of myself that are true. So for me to embrace my feminine side, I really have to simultaneously embrace a healthy masculine, which means acknowledging my masculine nature, and then from that place, feeling my feminine side. Mm. So, I mean, what for people, for guys listening especially, is that acknowledgement that men do want to sleep with everyone, um... And of course, we're generalizing, you know, not all. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're definitely. There is still this. I think it's this biological thing that we just want to. This inbuilt in us that is predatory and wants to spread our seed as far and wide as possible, and I think this is just nature. And so you're saying acknowledge that, but but it doesn't have to run us. Yeah. 
but if I see a lot of men now, it's a lot better now than it was 20 years ago in the in the sacred sexuality and tantra movement. There was a lot of men who were denying that that was their nature, and so they were kind of even to themselves. They were kidding themselves, and they were um, what I call leaking. Their sexuality was leaking. They were basically being passive aggressive. They were saying, they were telling women that they weren't that they you know that they were they were really spiritual and they weren't really into this they were doing it for the higher good the higher self without simultaneously acknowledging that they just wanted to have sex with them and to me it's it's about acknowledging what's true and only when i go to what's true can i then accept myself and make choices around my behavior if i deny that i have a fiery sexuality in myself it's going to come out sideways and you know and it's not healthy yeah i completely agree so it means coming from the truth and for a woman you know she want whatever her truth is some women are, are have fiery sexualities and some don't some men have have many men have fiery sexualities but some don't and whatever the point is to come from a place inside that is genuine and real like andrew talks about you know we we live from a place that's genuine that's unpretentious and as transparent as we can make it, you know, without shame and without apology and without uh, arrogance, just our truth. And when we bring that to the world and to a relationship, I see relationships blossom because there's this, this sigh, this exhale, like, oh, I can be, I can be myself with this person, you know? Yeah. I mean, part of that truth is just having real self awareness of who you are and what you are um from a deeper level like we've just been talking about of how our pelvis and hearts link up to just knowing who you are on a day-to-day basis this innate self-awareness that you can bring into a relationship is pretty crucial yeah and 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 just with you know just with the um the the self-acceptance that go you know a lot of young males that were who were raised by feminists believed that their their male sexuality was something to be ashamed of, that was shameful, that they did not want to be one of those guys that was destroying the planet. And we don't we can be who we are without being one of those guys who destroys the planet. We don't have to be the way women would like us to be. We can embrace a healthy masculinity. Our our inclination is to protect to protect women. You know, for every wolf out there, there's 10 sheepdogs. And there are, you know, the, you know, the problem for women is it's hard to tell them apart by looking at them. But for, I see it in men's groups all the time. For every predator out there, there's 10 of us who are sheepdogs. And we also have an inner predator, but we choose, we make choices to be sheepdogs, to protect women. And that is, that's part of a healthy masculine. That is something that, um, we bring to the table in relationship that's a great gift, you know, is the ability to hold space for women, to control our erotic drives, to, um, you know, to set boundaries, to create a container so that the feminine can really blossom. Yeah, and it's like we mentioned at the beginning, this conscious masculine is just the awareness of our hearts and opening up our hearts before letting our pelvis run all over the place right. yeah and, and also knowing i mean knowing that our pelvis wants to run all over the place but also you know our 
I used to watch it in my stepson. He was five years old, and I used to watch him shut his chest down. He would shut down. That's very um, the same way a woman will shut down her pelvis when she's threatened. A man will shut down his chest. And I believe that that's just my opinion, but I believe that that evolved because we were bred to be warriors. We were bred to to protect the tribe and to kill things and to kill other people, to protect our families. And we couldn't do that if we couldn't shut down our emotions. You know, that's what warriors do is we shut down our emotions um, instinctively so that we could evolve. Well, you know, now we don't, if we're, if we're not in a situation that requires violence, we don't need to do that. So we can reclaim our chest and we can, I used to say to my stepson, you know, you keep your chest open and stay strong. In other words, you can feel what you're feeling. It's not intuitive for us, but that's where our work is. You know, we have to crack open our chest. And oftentimes it happens through heartbreak when men's hearts are broken. That's when they heal. That's when they learn to feel what's going on. So, yeah, so it's it's really important to to feel our feelings and to feel our soft, gentle side and also to recognize that we do have an aggressive side and we can only feel those feelings in a masculine way because that's the body that we're in. Mm. I think you were starting to say there, but what are some of the ways that men can start opening their hearts more, whether they're in a relationship or they might not be in a relationship? Some of it is, is through connecting with other men who are similar, finding men that are models. You know, Andrew and I really connected at the conference. I, I mean, I, I really like the way that man shows up. You know, I think it's very genuine. Finding men that we resonate with, men who are not ashamed of their masculinity or, or their femininity, you know. Um, there's a group called Mankind Project I've worked with for many years, and they um, do initiations for adult males. You can find them at mankindproject.org. And um, Mankind Project has initiated over 75,000 men all over the planet and getting them to reclaim both their balls and their heart, you know, together. Another thing is to just be willing to self-confront. You know, as guys, we always want to look good. We always want to look competent. And we especially want to look competent when we're not. But, you know, we can put on our big big boy pants and we can be a grown-up and look in the mirror and, and acknowledge the truth of who we are. You know, it doesn't mean going into shame. It means just recognizing that we are sometimes flawed and sometimes we're, um, yeah, just sometimes we, we fall short. And, and, um, and accepting that of ourselves and caring about ourselves and while still taking responsibility for our quality of life and for our behavior. So I think, I think those are really important pieces in the reclamation of what I call the sacred masculine. And what does a sacred masculine man really look like to you in 2014? Because um, there's so much confusion, I think, from a young age, from what a man is supposed to be look be like in society. Uh, we might take our role models from James Bond or like sports stars or right. Uh, like right. where do we get where do we get our role models in society? We can't take it from presidents. We can't take it from anyone like that. <laughs> no, 
No, we can't. It's, I always used to. I used to laugh at these these hero movies where these guys would kill, you know, a hundred people, take their lives, and then make love with the woman at the end and be totally comfortable. And that's not real life. Men, when they take that many lives, are traumatized. You know, um, they, sometimes it's necessary, sometimes it's not. But the, there's almost always trauma unless they're a psychopath. So that's yeah. a healthy a healthy man is going to be traumatized. So you're right. There's no role models. No, we live in this paradigm where the narrative of the the man can't really call him a healthy masculine man, particularly is just warped, and we don't know what we're supposed to be. Um, well, I think it's important to remember that cultural models of I mean I think it's worth looking at things cross culturally. What do all cultures have? What do male role models in all cultures have in common? It's like the hero's journey, right? That uh, Joseph Campbell talks about them. You know, that is a really healthy masculine model. In um, in men's circles, we have four archetypes. We have the king, the lover, the warrior, and the magician, and those are all healthy aspects of a male psyche. I think looking to um, those archetypes is a good place to start. You know, a healthy king is a sovereign who blesses. He's somebody that, um, and there's, there's plenty of other male archetypes. Those are just four of them. A healthy lover is somebody that can feel his chest, can, can open his chest. A healthy warrior is somebody that can draw a line in the sand. A man that self-confronts, who says, yes, I fucked up. I'm sorry. I apologize. I will do my best to make it right. I will do my best not to have that happen again. And also is willing to, you know, classically willing to to fight and die, you know, um, for his family or for those he loves. Now, that, that may not be physically, maybe it's metaphorical. Maybe it's just like I'm willing to sacrifice my arrogance to be real for my family, you know. And then a magician is the... the um, is the man the, a healthy magician? Is the is a man that um, uses his intellect, that has discerning intelligence, you know, that that engages in the world, so in the world in a, in a in a way that's savvy, you know, in a way that's skilled. I think those those archetypes are a good place to start looking. And there's a lot of books out there on on healthy masculinity. Um, one of the things that that I happen to believe is that there's a a um, there is a bias against the healthy masculine in the press. That we have on one side, we have women who are angry, who are feminists, understandably angry, but still angry and don't want to hear about men's vulnerability. And on the other hand, on the other hand, we have. Um, you know, the sort of macho um, Bruce Willis guys that are, you know, the kind of cartoon characters in the films. But very rarely do we see um, in Western media, do we see images of healthy men? When's the last time you saw a film where a man was healthy? You know, a leading actor was playing the role of a healthy man. Sometimes they're like, you know, Harrison Ford will be, he'll protect his family, but he's not in touch with his, his vulnerability, you know? So I think that there's a shortage of these, both from a traditional perspective, but also from a backlash from feminism, because women don't want to hear how 
you know, a lot of women don't want to hear about, you know, did you ever watch a feminist deal with a sensitive man? They beat, they beat the crap out of them, right? Right? So I think that, I mean, it's very complex. I don't mean to oversimplify things, but I think that um, we have to really rethink, if we're going to create a healthy society, we have to really rethink our gender roles and really self-confront both as men and women as to what we like and want. I completely agree. It's just a search to find out what we want, um, where we take our ideas from. Yeah, and I think it's really important to find men that are, are similar. I One of my personal um, sort of missions is to bring together the sacred masculine movement with the sacred sexuality movement to bring an authentic masculinity to the Tantra movement because it's only then that um, that we can really heal. You know, men need to heal also. And they may need to heal in a way that's a little bit different than the way women heal. And I think we can only mentor each other as men. You know, we can't be mentored by women just the, just the way women cannot be mentored by us. You know, because we know what it feels like to feel like a man. And women knows what it feels like to feel like a woman. So I think, you know, at first with, I mean, feminism is really important. I have no beef with feminism at all. It's huge and it's crucial that we're, we embrace feminist ideology. At the same time, there's things that feminism has overlooked that we can no longer afford to ignore, especially in the sacred sexuality movement, because stuff goes into shadow around sex so easily. And if we can't embrace the sacred masculine as men involved in sacred sexuality, we're never going to come home. We're never going to find ourselves. Yeah, I agree that it's going to take men coming together and in these groups and really working through uh, stuff. And I think I'm called to it in some way uh, to do it myself as well as to start these movements of, of men to really go deeper inside themselves and heal what is going on in, in men's groups. Yeah, and we don't have to apologize for being men. And we don't have to apologize for being masculine. I mean, we can. I've certainly apologized for the things that my gender has done over the, over the millennia. But that doesn't mean that I apologize for who I am. We cannot get around our shadow without embracing who we are as men. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And the fundamental things that you embrace as a man, could you sum them up? Yeah. Um, can I read something from my book? Yeah, sure. Okay. A healthy masculinity is the same quality that draws a line in the sand based on principle. A healthy masculinity values principle over power. A healthy masculine aggression is energized and has vigor. It is a quality that allows us to hold space, to know who we are, and to create deep commitment. That is also one of the great strengths of masculinity is deep abiding commitment. Which is which is part of our nature, and we'll see it in um, we see it in soldiers and loyalty, and the way men will um, take care of their families. You know, they'll work they'll work you know sixteen hour days for thirty years, and then die seven years sooner than their partner to provide for their family. Um, create deep commitment. It has tenacity and perseverance. 
It prevents us from betraying ourselves. It keeps us going even when it would be easier to quit. A healthy aggression is based on deep values, on principles. It sets and holds boundaries. It contains things. It is the quality that gives us the courage to look into the mirror. Without reasonable and healthy aggression, we have no container in which to hold our families and ourselves. Without healthy aggression, we could become either passive-aggressive or we become hostile. So you could change the word aggression for masculinity. But a healthy masculinity has vigor, it builds things, it creates things, it sets boundaries, and it creates really deep and powerful commitments. And it works from a place of integrity rather than expediency. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's so many questions that arise from it that we probably don't even have time to cover them all. But uh, I think, yeah, the aggression masculine thing is a, is a big point, and especially when you're in a relationship, how much, especially is the choice between monogamous and polyamorous relationships and boundaries on a monogamous relationship and where you let your aggression come in uh, yeah, and, and that, you know, both. aggression may be the wrong word, too. I wrote that book um, six years ago, and um, you could call it vigor. It's not aggression as an aggressing over a boundary. It's about having balls, keeping our balls, you know, doing the right thing. Like, if I, I may want to have sex with this woman, but I can see that she is not ready for that. Even if she says she is, I can see it. What do I do? Do I have the balls to not have sex with her? In other words, do I have the balls to do the right thing, to stay in integrity? That's a form of aggression by saying no, by postponing my gratification. You know, That's a, that's a form of vigor. That's a form of strength. And... And a lot of women I know crave that in men, you know, and men, you know, we, in some ways we've been screwed. We were trained by feminists to think that, you know, all this masculine stuff is bad. And, uh, but at the same time, we see women who are attracted to the bad boys and they want that stuff. You know, it's not that they want the unhealthy masculine. They're looking for the healthy masculine, but the only way they, the only way they see it is in an unhealthy masculine. So they're attracted to it. Yeah, and for me, this vigor means intuition of the heart. With right, with in a strong container, mm. a, 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 a feminized man would have no container for that heart. A masculine man can make strong. A masculized man, if you want, or somebody that embraces his masculine vigor can make strong and difficult choices around those issues while still feeling all the vulnerability, while still feeling his heart. I can, you know, in relationships as men, many men I know will stay with women longer than they should. You know, they have this emotional attachment to women and they know they should leave, but they don't have the balls to do it. When that man grabs his balls, he will leave that woman if it's not right for him. Even if his heart cracks open, he will still leave, even if he doesn't want to. He'll still leave because he's, it's not the right thing. And to have the strength to do the right thing in spite of what we're feeling is at the core of a healthy masculinity. It's about withholding gratification. 
about working from principle. Anyway, I'm, I'll get off my soapbox. But that's that's my honest perception of those things. Yeah, I completely resonate with everything you've said today. I'm sure we could go on for another couple of hours, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll um, cut it there and maybe do another one in the future. Um, where can people find out more about your stuff and your book as well? Um, the, the book is called How to Worship the Goddess and Keep Your Balls, A Man's Guide to Sacred Sex, and that can be found on Amazon. And our website is earthmedicineinstitute.com. Yeah, I fully recommend checking his stuff out. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us today, and thank you so much, David, for taking your time. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Great to meet you. Did you know you can get all of our podcasts on our free podcast app? Head over to rawattractionpodcast.com to download the app now. For the world's most ecstatic love and sex podcasts, bonus videos, and exclusive articles, head to rawattractionpodcast.com to get the free app now.